your church experience online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you the opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. was on June 24 of last year, something crazy happened. I mean, like crazy. It was in South Africa, and I was on a dark back road that it was not a safe road at all. In fact, it was a dangerous road. A lot of accidents happened on this road. And on that night, June 24, a horrible accident happened, and it involved a vehicle that had four passengers in it. When the police arrived, when the ambulance arrived, three of the people they declared dead pretty much on sight. And these victims were, and the other one was walking around injured and disorientated. And they, they, were, they, were, they were just shocked at what the scene that they saw. But it wasn't too abnormal on that stretch of road. It was a bad stretch of road. In fact, every time they tried to check on the people that were laying there and help them out, they would literally have to jump back into the ditch and then, and then go back to help them because there's cars flying by, drunk drivers. It's just a bad scene. Well, they take these three victims to the, the government's uh, place where they, the mortuary where they, they would hold bodies and it was in the little town called Carltonville. And they put one female victim into a refrigerator. And they, they put her in there, and she was there for several hours until somebody who worked at the morgue came by and discovered that this, this female body laying there, pronounced dead, was actually alive. They had pronounced this woman dead, but she was not dead. And all the craziness of that scene, that horrible scene on this wild road with cars zipping by and drunk drivers flying. The, the paramedics who were working on this body, they, they thought genuinely that she was dead and pronounced her dead. But with all the things that were going on, they missed something very important. She was still alive. And then they pronounced her dead. And you know, I wonder if some of us in this room today have pronounced something dead in our life that Jesus wants to live. You know, maybe, maybe God brought you here for this message today because maybe, maybe there's somebody in the room that has a dream, a God-given dream that has died, and today God wants to breathe life back into it. Maybe there's someone in here in this room that has trashed their life and a lot of bad choices, and God wants to help them restart and bring it back to life. Maybe there's someone here who, who used to have a faith in Jesus that was so fresh, it was so alive and exciting, but now it's stagnant and and it's been neglected, and, and God wants to, to resuscitate their spiritual life. Maybe there's someone in this room who has a relationship that's, that's broken, and, and maybe it was your fault, maybe it was their fault, but somehow this relationship has died, and it's not looking good, and, and maybe today you're here, and, and, and God's going to give you faith that he can bring that relationship, even that one, back to life. Maybe there's somebody here today who's lost hope, and they've given up hope. And God wants to give hope again. He wants to restore hope, bring what was dead back to life. See, this is what Jesus does. 
This is what he specializes in. He changes everything. For those who follow him, for those who believe in him, he changes everything. And I love studying the life and ministry of Jesus because when Jesus showed up, something happened. Will you just help me out? When Jesus showed up, everybody say, something happened. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, something happened. When Jesus showed up, something happened. And in Luke chapter 7, we're going to look at a story where Jesus showed up and changed everything. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. I'm going to give you a little disclaimer on the front end. This is a wild and crazy story, and it's absolutely true, but it is just wild. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bear they were carrying him on, and, on the, the, and the bear stood still. He said, young man, now keep in mind, this is someone who's been pronounced dead. He says, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man, <laughs> this, is, this is wild. The dead man sat up and began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Can you imagine? That's unbelievable. In verse 16, they, they were all filled with awe and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. And God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Now, what a, what a wild story. This, this funeral processional coming out of this little town called Nain. It's a small city not far from Capernaum. You may have read about and. And the Jews, they had a practice of carrying their dead outside of where they lived, outside of the city, sometimes quite a distance to bury them. And they're carrying out this young man, this dead young man, and the mother is grieving. Her heart is broken, and Jesus stops them because Jesus cares about her hurt. He cares about what's died in her life. And I want you to write this down in your teaching notes, and I want you to think about it. Jesus cares about what is dead in my life. I don't know if that's a relationship. I don't know if that's a dream you had. I don't know if that's a hope or, you know, your, 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 your quiet prayers that no one else sees. Whatever it is that you feel like in your life has died, Jesus cares. Jesus cares. You know, interesting here, he stops and heals a boy. And we celebrate that and we should. But do you ever think about how, even though Jesus did this amazing miracle, this boy is going to die again one day. He's actually going to have two deaths now. So it was a healing, and that's amazing, but, but he's going to go on and he's going to die because these bodies, we know this, they're not, they're not permanent bodies. They're, they're temporary earthly bodies. And so Jesus heals them, and it's, it's a temporary healing. And so that's good, but it's not going to last forever. And, and I wonder how much of our prayer lives, we're talking about prayer in this teaching series, I wonder how much of our prayers are focused on things that are only temporary. You know, we spend a lot of time, and we should, praying. The Bible even instructs us this, to pray for those who are sick. So we'll, we'll do that. But have you ever been in like maybe a Bible study or a group with other believers, and, and 95% of the conversation is, well, I know I have this aunt, and, you know, she's not feeling good. And then, I, you know, could you just pray for me? And I had this, I wasn't feeling good the other day. And then there was this thing. And I'm not minimizing that stuff, but we, we spend so much of our time praying for, if you think about it, stuff that's temporary. Because we can pray for our bodies to be healthy and healed, and we want to be healthy. That's good that we can serve Jesus with all we've got. But 
We're all going to die. These bodies are all temporary. And it will, even other areas, like, like money. If you don't got money, you're praying for money. God, I need money. I got to put food on the table. Please provide. You don't got a job, you're praying for a job. I need a job. But if you think about it, all that stuff, that's temporary. It's of this earth, and it matters. It's important. Keep praying for it. But what I'm saying is I wonder if, I wonder, I wonder if we could dissect your prayer life. I wonder if you could just pull it apart and just, and just kind of put it in categories. How much am I praying for things that are temporary and in this world, and how much am I praying for things that will last forever? Because it's good to pray for projects and things you got going on, but it's more important to pray for people. And it's good to pray for physical health, but how much more important is it to pray for spiritual health? Things that are eternal, things that will last. You know, I think if you really want to enrich your prayer life, you want to evaluate your prayers. And what am I praying about? What do I spend most of my time praying about? I'll tell you a lot about the condition of your heart. I'll tell you a lot about the condition of what you're worshiping and what you care about and what matters most to you. But Jesus knew what mattered to this woman. He knew that what mattered to her was this brokenness she had, this loss she had. And so he stopped and he expressed compassion and care and he healed this boy supernaturally and, and he comes back to life. It's just a wild story. And, and, it, and it, it, it reminds me that, that Jesus knows what's going on inside me. He knows what, what I'm praying for, what I'm hoping for, what I'm dreaming about. And he, he, knows, he knows what you care about and it matters to him. It matters to him because it matters to you. And it, it mattered to this woman, so it mattered to him. See, Jesus cares about the specific things in our life. Maybe the things that you haven't told anybody else about. Nobody else knows. Maybe you've only told one or two people. Jesus knows about that. He cares about it. So that's why I put this in your teaching notes. So pray specific prayers. If Jesus cares, then I'm going to pray specific prayers. Because he cares. He, he cares about what's going on in my life. So I, I want to bring that to him. You want to bring it to him. That's going to help your prayer life. It's going to change it when you start praying about the things that are actually dying in your life or dead in your life or dark in your life. And you're, you're saying, man, this is, this is the problem. Bring it to your provider. Bring it to the one who actually cares because he can do something about it. And it's important that you bring it to him first. It's important that you bring it to Jesus first. Because... You have people around you just like this woman did. She's in this funeral procession, and it said that if you look in Luke chapter 7, verse 12, a large crowd, a large crowd from the town was with her. I don't know, maybe her neighbor, maybe the, the woman who kind of helped raise her, you know, maybe their best friend that she, she you know, hits a Starbucks with every week, you know, I don't know, like all the people that, that, that she grew up with, you know, they're there, and and then they're walking along this journey of mourning with her. And they're all headed towards the grave. They're all headed towards a burial. But even though she had a crowd around her, nobody could, nobody could fully understand what she was going through. She's the one that lost her only son. It's the only family she had. Do you ever feel like sometimes that you're in a crowd like she was, but you're still all alone? That can happen. You can, you can be in a crowd. You can be surrounded by people and still feel all alone. And here's what you need to know. This is what we need to know. That we're never all alone because Jesus cares and he understands what we're going through. Even if nobody else gets you, Jesus gets you. So don't say nobody gets me because Jesus does get you. Now, people around you might not fully understand, and that's, that's just natural. That's, that's true. But listen to Jeremiah 17.10. I love this. I, the Lord, search. Everybody say search. I search the heart and examine the mind. 
that's kind of awesome and scary all at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> that Jesus searches your mind. That means he knows everything that's going on in there. All the good stuff, all the crazy stuff, <laughs> all your daydreams, all the stuff you think about, you know, it's just like out there. Like he, he knows all that stuff. And he still loves you. That's, that's why you should believe in God right there. He knows all about you and he still loves you, right? I mean, he loves us. Oh, God, thank you that you love imperfect people. You love us. And he, know, he searches our mind. He searches our heart. But we need to go to him specifically in prayer and not try to carry the weight ourselves. Because if you try to carry all the weight in your life or try to dump all the weight in your life onto people around you, you're going to exceed the weight capacity. Let me explain what I'm saying. There was a group of us that went out to Clearwater Beach. It might have been a couple of years ago. And some of you are the part of church experience. You not, might know about this because there was a group of us from the church that were out there. And me and a good friend of mine, Kevin Johnston, were, were making our way back with some of his kids and some friends. And we were walking to the parking garage at Clearwater Beach to get to our vehicles. And we get in the elevator to go up to a higher floor to get our vehicles. And as soon as the door shuts, I'm not, I'm not making this up, as soon as the door shuts, Kevin and a couple of his kids, I can tell they've done this before, because as soon as the door shuts, they didn't even talk about it. They didn't even make a plan about it. They, they just, as soon as the door shut, they all just start jumping. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's what, that's what the Johnson family does. I'm going to jump in. So I just start jumping too. So we're all jumping in the elevator. This is great. Until the elevator goes, like it just stopped. <laughs> like just stopped. I've never been in an elevator that just stopped. Not at the floor, like between floors. Like it just stopped. Like the whole thing. And I'm like, what just happened? And we all became very aware that we are stuck in this elevator because we tried to pry those doors open, they wouldn't, they wouldn't open. You know how in the movies somebody gets stuck in an elevator, a spy movie, and they're like, they pop up the thing. They, like, no, that, that thing was sealed shut. There was, we were not getting out. I mean, it, we, we were stuck. We, there's a little red button here, you know, and it's like, call for help. Aren't you so thankful that they thought through ahead of time, if this scenario would happen, we're going to pull a little red button there? I was too until we hit the button and nothing happened. At all. Like nothing happened. We just, we sat there, press the button, <laughs> press the button. We never get on our phone and call 911. And like, come on, help, help us. We're stuck in the elevator. Where you at? We're in a parking garage. Come get us. Long story short, the fire truck showed up. They, they climbed up into the elevator shaft. They got to get the doors open. They rappelled down in there. They put the ladder down into the elevator and we climbed out. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy adventure. Now, every time I get an elevator, you know, I, it's always in the back of my mind. This might be the day I get stuck. I never used to think about that. I just up, down, up, down. I mean, you know, but now that I used to, was stuck in an elevator, I don't know, for a couple hours, and one of the kids peed the pants. It's a whole adventure. I, I'm very aware that you can get stuck in an elevator. And so I always, you know, you see the sign there. I always used to ignore that. Now I can, you know, maximum 10 persons allowed in this elevator, right? Weight capacity. So, you know, you're in the elevator, and like six or seven, eight people get in. You're doing the math. You're like, I'll, I'll catch you guys later. I got something I got to go do, right? I mean, you don't want to get stuck, right? Because you know that there's a, a capacity and, and you don't want to reach it. And definitely jumping is not going to help the cause. You, you, have a, you have a capacity problem in your life that maybe you haven't identified. And the capacity problem pertains to the weight that you carry. When, when you're going through life and, and you hit hardship, when you have a need, when you have a problem or even a dream, a mountain that you're trying to summit, there's a weight that comes with it. Responsibility. You get married. You have kids. There's a weight. There's responsibility. You get a job. There's weight you carry. You have needs. There's a weight. There's a problem. There's a weight. And you, you have a capacity limit. You are not meant to carry all the weight of living this world on your own. 
Jesus wants to carry that weight with you. But some people break down. They get stuck because they are trying to carry all the weight themselves. And they haven't identified it yet. And they're like, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to work a little bit more. I'm, I'm just going to push harder. I'm going to get better ideas and strategies. No, the, the problem is not your ideas and your strategy or your work ethic. Work, work ethic. It's, a, it's a capacity problem. You're stuck and you're not getting traction. You're not going anywhere. You're not getting to that where you want to be. It's because you're trying to do it in your own power. Or you may have relationship problems. Some people have relationship problems. They're always driving people away because... All the time, they're dumping their issues on other people. Not that you shouldn't share what's going on in your life. We're made for community, and we got to share what's happening. Pray for me, and you know, pray for each other, and you know, care about each other. Here's here's the heartbreak. This woman had people around her grieving. No, that, this is not what I'm saying that you shouldn't share. But have you been around people that just every time you ask them, "Hey, how you doing?" Every time, man, I'm terrible. Man, it's horrible. It's not good. It's not, it's not, not good. Oh, man, it's been a bad week, another bad week. It's, man, life's terrible. And I'm not minimizing the problems we go through. But what's usually happening is that person is not, if you, could, if you could ask them, they're not going to God first. What they're doing is they're taking all that weight and they're dumping it on the people around them. And a lot of times they ruin their relationships that way. Because even a great relationship it's strong, and you can, you can share your heartbreak, you can share your needs, you can share your pain, you should. But if you don't go to God first and you always dump, 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 you're going to ruin the relationship because there's a capacity problem. As great as that marriage might be, as great as that family might be, as great as that church family might be, as great as that best friend group might be, they don't have the capacity to carry all the weight of this world. But you know who does? God does, and he wants to carry it with you. So go to him first. And Jesus is like, I care. I, I can help you in a way that all these people around you cannot help you. They can grieve with you. They can love you. But not a one of them can bring this dead son back to life. Maybe your problem is not some of the other strategies you got going on. Maybe the problem is where you're going when you have a problem. Go to God first. Go to him in prayer and say, God, you can bring this dead dream back to life. You can bring this broken relationship back to life. I believe. I have faith. I'm trusting in you. You know, some, some of us in the room might, might feel like we're in a season where there's not anything that's dying. And that's, that's a good thing. That's a great problem. And as I was preparing this message, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit put this on my heart to share. Because I'm sure there's some in here. And I, I hope we all have these seasons. I hope we have many of them where things are going well and there's not anything dead or dying in our life. And in those seasons, I think it's important to remember three things. One, be thankful. The Bible says be thankful always. Be thankful. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we're doing that we forget to thank God, and we think that we did it all in our own power. We think that, oh, I must be so smart. I must have worked so hard. I, must have, I just must have done the right things, and this is why things are going good. No, don't forget who gave you breath. Don't forget who gave you the opportunity. So when things are going good, turn your eyes up onto Jesus. Otherwise, what happen? You'll start worshiping that thing in your life. It could be a good career. It's going well. A new relationship, whatever it is. Any good thing, you could start to make an idol in your life. So, so, so don't just look at it and say, wow, that's cool. That's cool. Thank you, God. That, that was, I couldn't have done that without you, God. Because in a moment, here's the other thing you need to know. Not only to give thanks, but in a breath, that could change. We live in a sin-filled, temporary world, and so this, this world is, is, is not going to end uh, all perfect. In fact, it ends in death. We know this. In this life, you're not meant to hang on and hold on to this world. This is, this is temporary passing through. The Bible speaks of it in language like it's a, it's a mist, uh, you know, it vanishes, you know, like, like wildflowers that grow in the field, and then they're gone. It's, it, it's, it's not meant to be forever. 
It's meant to set your direction forever. But it's not meant to be your forever. And so don't, so things are going good. Don't start holding on. Oh, man, this is, this, no. Hold on to Jesus more than ever, when, when, even when things are going well. And then the other thing you need to know, if, man, things are going good in your life, and I hope they are, is that you have someone around you who has something dying in their life. Just look up. Just look around. Might be a family member, a neighbor, someone you work next to, but you got someone, and I guarantee you, you have somebody in your life, probably somebody really close to you, that's got something that just died in their life. And it's broken. And, and they feel without hope because of whatever that situation or relationship was that didn't go how they thought it was going to go. And when things are going good for you, we, we carry each other's burdens. That's what believers do. And so we, we don't just celebrate, hey, man, oh God, things are going good. I'm just going to keep pushing forward. We, we kind of look around like, well, who can, I, who can I help? Things are going good. I got strength right now. I'm feeling good. Who can I come? Can I come alongside and can I pray for you? Can I help you? Can I encourage you? What's going on? Can I just listen? Can I just can I just love on you? See, that's, that's what it looks like when things are going well, is that we keep our eyes on Christ, we're thankful, and we, we, we bring others along. Well, let's go back to this story again. There's something else here I want you to notice. So the funeral procession stops, and you know, Jesus puts his hand right here next to this, this, this dead child. And Jesus said to him, verse 14, Young man, I say to you, get up. Everybody say, get up. Now say it like it's someone that you, that you knew. Everybody say, get up. Get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe, and they praised God. Yeah, that's, that's wild. That's a crazy story. I don't think that we can really understand it because we're trying to, like, pull this story out of these pages. But, but, but if you could just stop and just, it's not just a story we're reading. It's something that happened. And imagine being there. Imagine being in the funeral procession, and, and you know her. You might have her, your hand on her. I mean, you, she's been your neighbor for, like, 20 years, and, and, and you, you knew this kid. You watched, him, you watched him be raised up, and now he's dead, and he's laying there. This shouldn't be. Kids bury their parents. Parents shouldn't have to bury their kids. And, and now, now she's doing it. And she doesn't have any other family. And, 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 and this was not only her family. This was her, her legacy. This was her hope, her, her, only, her only inheritance. I mean, this, this was her, her child. Not only that, this was probably her provision. I mean, who does she call when, when, when she needs help? And there's, there's something around that. I, I just can't do I need help. Hey, come, come on and come help me out, son. I need your help. She's getting older in life, and, and she's not married, so maybe, maybe there's financial provision involved. Maybe this young man's going to be her, her, I mean, there's no Social Security, so what's she going to do when, when she retires? She can't work anymore. Well, this is, this is her son's going to provide for and put food on the table. He's, I mean, he's really her world, but now he's laying there dead. It's finished, but it's not over. It's finished. His life is finished. It's, there's no more days. There's no more smiles. There's no more conversations. But it's not over because I, now i got to go bury him. And, and she's going to this, this graveyard, and she's, she's broken, and everybody else is broken. And imagine being there and watching this. But then Jesus, think about this. Jesus steps in, and he stops, the, literally, he gets in the way, stops the funeral procession, and then he looks down at this dead body, and he says, get up. And this, and this young man sits up. I mean, this is crazy. And, and then he starts talking. And he gives, gives the child back to his mother. I mean, what are you thinking if you're there and you're that neighbor and you've seen this little kid grow up and, and now he's dead and then now he's alive? I mean, what are you thinking? But, but, this is a miracle. This, this, is, this is not normal. This is not natural. You're, you're just stunned. You're shocked. You don't know what to say. You want to you wanna give a huge hug. You want to cry. You want to just know I'm blown away. But I only think I want, I want to I want to kind of to get into the story and the emotion of it because if you think about it, 
it's easy to say Jesus brings dead things back to life, but what if that was someone you knew? What if that was, what if that was your relationship that was broken that, that Jesus could bring back to life? What if that was, what if that was that hope you had that it's God dream and, and it died and God brought it back to life? I mean, what if it was your spiritual life and you feel like I'm, I'm flatlined, I'm just stuck and Jesus came and boom, he brought it back to life. That's what he wants to do. In whatever area in your life that's dead, Jesus has the power. Everybody say power. He's got the power to bring it back to life. We, we got to get this, you guys. We, we can't follow a tame Jesus. We, we can't follow a safe, normal Jesus. We got to follow the real Jesus. And what I see when I read the pages of Scripture is a Jesus that brought dead things back to life. In fact, he said this was his whole mission. Luke 19.10, Jesus gave his one-sentence mission statement. It was the, he said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The spiritually lost, those who are dead in their sins. The Bible says, you're dead in your sins without Christ. And he came to give his life so that we could have true life. And, and, and that's why he came. That was his mission. He specializes in bringing dead things back to life. That's what he's good at. So what's dead in your life? You know, ultimately, our biggest problem is the spiritual death. It's, it's being dead in our sins. And it was Louis Giglio who said the gospel is God coming isn't not God coming to make bad people good. That's, that's not why he came. The gospel is Jesus coming to make dead people alive. And when you're dead, you're in trouble. When you're bad, you just need somebody to help you get better. But when you're dead, you're done. You need, you need a resurrection. And this boy needed a resurrection. Your life, you might need a resurrection. There might be something in your life that, that, that you just cannot figure out, that you cannot accomplish, that you cannot help Jesus can. If it's in his will and he wants it, he can. You say, you don't know. You don't know how bad my marriage is. You don't, know, you don't know how bad things are in my life. You don't know how much my life is a train wreck. You, you, you have no idea. Listen, I might not, but there's one who does and who's not giving up on you. And if he wants it to be, it can be. Jesus changes everything. Do you believe that? And, and here's where it gets real personal. Because I can talk about Jesus changing things all day long. But you have to believe it for you. Do you believe it in your life that Jesus changes everything? Do you believe in your life that the dying, the dead can be brought back to life? See, the Bible has a word for this. You know what word the Bible uses for this? This, this personal taking ownership of this and, and believing that Jesus can. What, what word is used for that? It's, it's a really special word. It's used throughout scripture and it's, it's the word faith. Faith. Hebrews 11 chapter one says, now faith it's confidence in what we hope for. It's assurance about what we do not see. This is this belief, this hope, this trust that, that Jesus, you can. So, so do you have faith to believe today that he can do what you can't do? Or are you operating just in the natural? It's just what I can do. It's what I can do, what I can make happen. In your teaching notes, I want you to write this down. Increasing my faith gives power to my prayers. We're talking about prayer in this teaching series. How do I get stronger prayers? How do I have powerful prayers? How do I not just religiously go through the motions? And, but how do I really have a powerful prayer life? I, I inject faith into it. That, that's how it changes. When you, when you add faith into your prayer life, that's where things start to change. And without, without faith, without faith, our prayers are, are limited. You know, let me explain it this way. 
our church, for most of our existence, has everything we've owned as a church has got put in the back of a, you know, old U-Haul truck. A couple of them, and we'd pull away from the school where we meet that, and we just that we just sat there all week, and that was everything we was in that truck. And you know, they probably didn't get taken care of that good because we'd only drive them one time a week for like two minutes, and that was it. And so sometimes we'd neglect things like the gas gauge. And I remember driving down 580 one Sunday morning, and I'm trying to get ready for preaching and what I'm going to be saying and all this stuff. And all of a sudden I hear clunk, 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 <laughs> and my vehicle, this, the U-Haul just stops right there on 580. A lot of traffic and it just stops. I'm like, I look at the fuel gauge, oh, out of gas. I never think to check the gas. I drive it like once a week, right? And, it's, uh, and I never died, so I jog down to the 7-Eleven, buy a gas can, fill it up, jog back to the truck, put it in, you know, drive to the gas station, then fill it up. And that's all on Sunday morning. I'm like getting to church, and we get there. We're a little late. We hustle. Everybody helps out. We set up, and we have church, and nobody has any idea. But I just so many memories with these, these trucks and so many experiences with them. And, you know, if you, if you have ever had made some memories in a U-Haul or a Penske or whatever your moving truck was, you, you probably have some stories. And if you've ever driven a truck like that, you know that a moving truck, for insurance reasons, they, they, they install something in, into, the, into the vehicle that, that keeps it from going high speeds. You, you know what's called, you, you know about this? It's called a governor. And they put this in the vehicle because they don't want someone renting a truck and say, I got to get to California by tomorrow, so I'm going to go 100 miles an hour so I can get there. And then they cause a crazy fatal accident. So they, they put a governor. They have to. They put these governors on these vehicles. And, and then what the governor does is it limits your speed. It doesn't matter how much you press down on the gas pedal. You can press as hard as you want to. You can tap that thing all day, but you're not going past whatever they have it set at, 60 miles an hour or 65. You're just not going to go 80 miles an hour. Doesn't matter how, no matter how much you push it down, you, there's a limiter. It's, a, it's called a governor. Some of, you, some of you are just trying the same thing over and over again. It's like, God, please, just, just help me out here. Come on, you're trying, you're just trying, trying, trying. But you, even though the words are coming out of your mouth, there's no faith. You don't really believe it's possible. You, God, bring the dead back to life. In my, in my life, God, here's, here's what's dead. Here's what's dying. Help me, God. But, but you're not really, it's, just, it's more of a religious routine. It's more, it's just, I just do this. This is what I pray. And, and what it is, it's like a limiter on our faith. In fact, don't take my word for it. Look, look at Hebrews eleven six. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if I'm gonna pray and ask God to do something in my life, I gotta believe he can do it. I gotta have faith, not only to please God, but to see God work in a fresh way in my life. So if I want God to do some fresh things in my prayer life, if I wanna have power in my prayers, then I have to have faith. I have to trust that he can actually do what he says he can do. Alfred Tennyson said, more things are brought about by prayer than this world dreams of. More things are brought about by prayer than we can even imagine. And God changes things through prayer. This, this world is transformed and changed. Dead areas in my life are resurrected. So, so here's what I need to do. It's in your notes. So remove my limits on prayer. What kind of box are we putting Jesus in? What kind of limitations are we putting him on our life? Because here's the thing. Can we limit Jesus? No. We can't. We can't really limit him. But, check this out, you can limit his work in your life if you don't have faith. Because it's through faith that he changes things. It's through faith that God works. It's through faith that he brings the dead things in our life back to life. And, and so I need to have faith. And how do I build faith? And how do I build faith? Faith is, if this feels ambiguous. It feels, how, how do I do that? Intangible. How do, I build, how do I get better at faith? How do I have a stronger faith? Here's one way you do it. You take you take faith-filled steps of obedience. You go and you read in scripture and 
I hope that's something you do daily because that God will transform your life through that. And, and, and as you're reading the word and you get to something that says to do this, you, you, you take a faithful step and you do it. You trust God. You make the change in your life. He, the Holy Spirit starts to convict you of sin and you say, I, man, I feel like doing this and this is easier. This is what I've been doing. But man, I, I, I see now that I'm, I'm kind of stuck and I don't want those chains to fall in my life. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm changing direction. I'm going a different way. And, and when you take that step in faith, you see God bless that, and your life changes. There's more peace. There's more joy. You're not stuck anymore. You're, seeing, you're, you're starting to really move down the highway of life, and, and you say, you know what? I'm glad I took that step of faith, and your faith grows. It's like a muscle. It grows. It strengthens. You know, we have a guy in our church that has been taking some steps of faith, and since I met him, he, he became a believer uh, through a connection that he had with our church and accepted Christ, and, and God changed his life, and, and he didn't just stop there and just start attending. He, he, he started getting involved, and he started growing in his faith, and he kept taking faith-filled steps of obedience, and God keeps changing his life. And, and I asked him the other day, I said, hey, can, can we share some of your story? And so I want you to just check this out for a couple minutes. This is a story of how Jesus changes everything. So hey, I'm here with Blue, and Blue, aka Jonathan Joyner, <laughs> has had his life changed by Jesus, and we're in this teaching series, Jesus Changes Everything. So Blue, some of us know your story, but for those who don't, tell us how Jesus has changed everything in your life. Yeah, well, I used to have a, a really bad association, um, you know, like my love for music and stuff, you know, being around like music business and uh, that kind of stuff, you know, I, I was around a lot of, you know, bad people that, that not really bad people, but uh, bad influences that, you know, influenced me to... to uh, live a sinful life and uh, me going down that road um, caused a lot of destruction and uh, you know um, I, I le It led me to like situations where I would have like really dark thoughts and stuff and um, One day one night it just uh, you know um, I, I reached out to a friend and it was like really late at night like 1230 in the morning And um, I basically just like you know like God spoke to me um, He told me to, to, to hit him up and when I did you know he like he asked me to kind of like pray for me over the phone and then <laughs> I was like, like that's kind of weird, <laughs> but but I was like, I was, and then he invited me out to church. So and from there, you know, um, you know, got got uh, connected like right away. Felt like welcomed into the family, um, and yeah, just like helped break down. And you know, from that, from the fellowship, and like actually helping serve, you know, um, that really uh, led me to uh, getting saved and me getting baptized. That's incredible. Um, so. Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was just the beginning of your journey. It's been really cool to see you not only be baptized, but to continue to take steps and grow in your faith. And we're all proud of you. It's fun to be a part of that story as a church family. But recently, you told me about how you took a new step of faith. And then you saw, as you stepped out, God do something really cool in your life. Could you just tell us your story about how Jesus has continued to change things in your life. Yeah, well, um, really, I, I just like took a step of faith. Um, you know, I've never uh, really tithed or anything like that. Um, and it's not really like like I was testing God, but you know, I just like me being obedient. You know, um, from you know like with my finances, you know, in every area of my life. So um, you know, it didn't really fit in my budget. You know, um, but you know, just like the, that was like my New Year's resolution. I was going to tithe. Um, so like the first week, you know, I, I tithe, and then literally the week after that. Um, we had a meeting at work and they basically told everybody that they were changing like the pay scale at work you know so I was going from making like $15 an hour to getting potential in income of having $24 an hour wow you incredible. Know? so same same week that you made the decision yeah to start exactly giving. that's that was really crazy cool. that's awesome no warning or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's really neat man well it's really cool to see you taking steps of faith and how God's continued to grow your life yeah. as we're in this teaching series that Jesus changes everything if you had to put it into a sentence for us how would you say Jesus has changed everything in Blue's life? Um, three words. Uh, purpose, guidance, and grace. That's incredible, man. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story with us. 
Come on, let's celebrate that. That's, that's cool, isn't it? He's taking steps. So how, how, do I, how do I grow in faith? I take a step of obedience. And God asked me to do something. I, I take a step, and I'm going to grow in my faith as I do that. Here's the final question that's in your teaching notes. I want you to write this down. What do I need to ask Jesus to bring back to life inside of me? What is that for you? What would you say that is for you? Maybe it's some part of your spiritual life. Maybe it's an area where you've been kind of holding back, and you know God's challenging you to take a step, and you've been, you've been questioning, you've been doubting. Maybe it's a relationship you need to take a bold step of forgiveness and mend that relationship. What, what is it in your life? What, what is it? It could be a thousand things, but what is that one thing for you? Or maybe if it's not for you, maybe this message was for somebody in your life who's about to give up hope, and you needed to be reminded that Jesus can do miracles, and you needed to not give up praying for them. You needed to not reach, give up reaching out and help and see what you can do in their life through Jesus. See, Jesus changes everything, and, and we all want prayer. We all, we all want power. We all want power in our life. How we access that power is through prayer. I'll leave you with this thought. Much, pro, much prayer, they say, equals much power. Little prayer equals little power. No prayer equals no power. So the more I pray, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I have faith, the more I see Jesus do great things in my life. So if I want to see Jesus do more in my life, that's my hope in this teaching series is that we'll see Jesus change us. If I want to see Jesus raise things up a notch in my life, turn up the temperature, if I want to see Jesus do some great things in my life, change something, if I want to see some chains fall in my life, if I want to get some new hope that I don't have, right? If I, if I want to get some new purpose, some new joy in my life, if, if I want to see Jesus do something new in my life, then how am I going to do that? Well, it's not me. It's Jesus that's going to do it. It's Jesus that's going to bring the change. So how do I get more of Jesus in my life? I, I get closer to him. I access him through prayer. I spend time with him. And the more Jesus is in my life, the more power is in my life. And the more power is in my life, the more transformation. So are you walking with Jesus? Are you believing that he can bring dead things to life? Do you have faith? And if, if you do, if you do, if you have faith and you're walking with Jesus, I believe you will see some miracles. I believe Jesus will change things like nothing else in this world can change them if you will follow him and if you will live a surrendered life. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.